From the Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University, this is Getting Ethics to Work, the podcast that tackles the trickier moral dilemmas that you might face in the workplace. I'm your host and Prindle Institute director, Andy Cullison, and with me is our producer, Kate Berry. Hello. For each episode of Getting Ethics to Work, we discuss a case and unpack the difficult and often hidden ethical tensions that can make it hard to get along with others at work. And by the way, case is just an ethicist word for story. And before we get started, I want to remind everyone that we are not lawyers and are not offering legal expertise. But as an ethicist, I can tell you why it isn't always helpful to remind people that life isn't fair. Kate, tell me about the case today. So Pat goes into her manager, Carmen's office, sits down and says, I keep getting passed over for skill development opportunities. Last week, you gave it to this person. The week before that, the year before that, it was this person. And it's just not fair. I'm tired of being passed over. And she's she's really upset at this point. Okay. So she's upset. She's not being given opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got a kind of fairness complaint. Right. And so what does Carmen say? Carmen is not sympathetic about this. She says, do you do the job that was in your job description? She says yes. Yeah. She says are you paid the salary that is fair for that job? Is right. it a fair salary? Are you unhappy with the salary? So you're not underpaid, I guess, is what she's saying? Right, right. Okay. And Pat says, no, not feeling underpaid. So she says, so then what's the problem, right? That you are compensated, that's fair, and that's all that I'm worried about. Right. And, I mean, I think it's kind of easy to see why someone would think that. Like, here's what a job is. There's work that needs to be done. Yeah. I find someone who's willing to do that work, Mm -hmm. and I pay them for doing that work. And as long as I'm paying them for the work I've asked them to do, how the work gets done, who gets to do the work, that's the manager's job. That's the manager's discretion. And the manager will put whoever the manager wants in different positions to achieve the goals of the company. I take it that might be what Carmen's mindset is. Exactly. And Carmen feels like, I pay you, what else do I owe you? Yeah, Why? Why? how could there be other considerations of fairness? Who does the work is my job, mm-hmm. says someone like Carmen. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm paying you fairly for the work I need to get done, I get to decide who gets to do the work, and no one gets to claim that they're entitled. To, to me giving them a particular job yeah, exactly. or a project or whatever. Right, right. So let's get to work. So what do you think? I mean, I think Carmen does not feel that Pat has a very good point and is just kind of a whiner. And I can imagine someone in Carmen's position like, look, I'm the one who decides where the workers are to get the job done. You know, uh, if you don't like the work you're doing, go find another job. I'll find someone to do that work. I just need someone to do that work. And I want it to be you because I think you're suited for that role. I hired you for that job. Right. So, you know, I think there's, I mean, I think there's something to Carmen's attitude that's, if you're going to lodge a fairness complaint, it would be good to articulate reasons why. Like, why, why, why is not getting an opportunity to develop skill an equity issue in the same way that something like salary would be? Yeah. So how, how is that? I mean, she's not upset with her salary, but she's, there is maybe this connection between salary equity and skill development equity, but what, what is the connection? Here's, here's a reason to think that salary equity is important. Well, I mean, one, your salary significantly impacts the quality of your life. I think, but more importantly, it's a stated sort of benefit 
of doing the work. When when someone when you ask someone to do the work, it's like, what's in it for me? Yeah. Money, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And because it is a benefit of the job, one that's like an explicitly promised benefit, um, there's an expectation that you will be giving that benefit out equitably, right? That you won't arbitrarily give more of that benefit to someone because they're your buddy. Sure. Um, or because you like them or because they don't challenge you in the boardroom as much and mm-hmm. they play nice, right? So um, we tend to think that you sh- you don't dole out the promised benefits of employment in that kind of arbitrary fashion. Right. Now, I think something that often is overlooked is that the opportunity to develop skills is also typically an explicit benefit of employment. I mean, internships, right? Free internships. That's the only benefit, really. It's the only benefit, right? I mean, so, um, and, you know, bosses are often saying, I know you don't like this work, but trust me, you do this work, I'm positioning you for the the next leap, right? I mean, I think it's not a secret that one of the things people hope to get out of employment is the opportunity to develop skills so that they can get better positions. Yeah. So maybe Pat took this job hoping that she would get training that would help her either move up in this company or yeah, get yeah. another job somewhere else. Yeah. Now, I, you know, one caveat. If it's like explicitly stated, like, hey, there's not really opportunities for advancement beyond this position, right? Mm-hmm. Like what we need is someone to do X. I'm looking for someone who just wants to do X. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you if you explicitly got that off the table. Yeah. Um, but if you don't do that, I think there's this kind of implicit agreement in our society that when you take on a job, the opportunity to develop skills is, is part of the benefit. Yeah. So if that is sort of an implicit agreement that the opportunity to develop skills is part of the benefit, then I think just like salary, people can say, hey, uh, if I'm not afforded equitable opportunity to develop skills, I have a legitimate fairness complaint. Because someone who develops those skills may get the opportunity to do something bigger and better. Absolutely. And in fact, you might think that skill development equity is more important than salary equity because the skills you have will likely impact your financial situation way more than your salary at any given time. But if you got deprived the opportunity to develop a particular skill, I mean, that might cut you off from jobs that are pay three times what you're currently making. And so you really could be harmed. Right. Uh, by not being given adequate, equitable chances to develop skills. Yeah. So in that way, skill development equity seems almost more important. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think at, least, at least there's a case to be made that it's, it's not silly for someone to think that there's a legitimate fairness complaint when they're not being given the opportunity to develop skills and talents. So Pat may be feeling this frustration when she sees other people gaining these skills and she feels like I have to stay in one place and everyone else is getting to advance because they are developing these new things yeah. and I'm not learning anything new. Exactly. So you've got some project and you've got your team assembled and there's your ace, star, salesperson, whatever, mm-hmm. always gets the job done, always doubles the numbers of everybody else. So you're going to have them take lead on a certain set of accounts or certain kinds of accounts, whatever. I'm just making up business stuff right now. They're your star player. So you put them on the most important accounts. You give them the most important clients. And you might think, 
how could there ever be anything wrong with that? Why wouldn't you always just... Maybe you think there are practical or pragmatic reasons to kind of share things or 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 have other people take on some projects. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a football coach should occasionally let the second-string quarterback in just so that if the first-string quarterback ever gets injured, you know, they're they've not, had a little practice. Yeah, they've had a little practice. There might be pragmatic reasons to do that, but you might think it's entirely up to the coach mm-hmm. whether or not he lets someone other than the star player play. But nothing is owed to the other team members, right? That That's a kind of conventional wisdom, I think. Yeah. But if you think skill development equity is important, there might be times when you should not give the star player the best clients or the most lucrative accounts. Sometimes you might need to risk productivity or sales for the sake of skill development equity. So that someone else can get the opportunity to work in such a like high stakes, high stress, high potential benefit situation, yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And note, um, you might think when, when it comes to salary equity, we do this all the time, right? We, we sometimes, for the sake of salary equity, we, we refuse to give the star player way more money than anybody else. Maybe they get a little bit of a raise, but we might say they don't just have carte blanche to give them whatever they want. Yeah. We have to keep these things, even if there's unequalness in salary, we have to keep them somewhat close for the sake of equity. And so sometimes you might sacrifice or risk productivity by adhering to salary equity. Hmm. And so if you think that, again, if you think it's important in the cases of salary, then yeah, sometimes you're going to risk productivity for the sake of someone's skill development. Yeah. I don't think I've ever done this myself, but I do at times remember when someone who works with me, you know, says, oh, I would really like to start focusing some of my work on this. I'd really like to learn more about this. I feel like that's a kind of trajectory that my career is going in. I'd like to, I'd like to do that. And I know the first thing that always crosses my mind is like, great. Now they're more of a flight risk, right? Like they're going to be, <laughs> not only are they're they- They're going to leave Yeah, me. I know. Not only are they awesome at what they currently do, but now they're going to be awesome within the next six months at this other thing that they're wanting to develop. Now, um, that thought has always crossed my mind. And I, I like to think that I go in the opposite direction, that I go, I go like, okay, Definitely not going to say no because uh, I could be engaged in a bit of what I call motivated reasoning, right? Okay, what's motivated reasoning? Motivated reasoning, uh, we might be more familiar with this in terms of like when we say people are rationalizing their decisions because Uh, they benefit in a certain way. Yeah. Usually it relates to money. Like, oh, I can keep this money. I found it here. Sure, it's right outside my friend's door, but, you know, it could be anybody's, right? Right, right. You're like, "Mm, I think you're just rationalizing there, Mm -hmm. right? Motivated reasoning is when you decide, you've decided, your brain's decided already what you want, and then now the brain's like, okay, I need to construct the arguments to get to that conclusion. Right. The arguments that seem good to you, uh, how convenient that they just so happen to support the conclusion that you really, really want. Yeah. That's motivated reasoning. And so in this case, if someone wants to develop a certain kind of skill... And you have that thought, you're like, oh, gosh, now they're going to be like a flight risk. You should pause yourself right there and then 
any argument that you, or any reason you put forward or you're about to give that person for why they, they shouldn't should. do that. No, don't develop those skills. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those skills are going to be outdated in the next five years. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, you know, that's important. But really, you know, someone who's better at this other thing mm-hmm. um, has a much better chance of advancing, right? Like, whatever it is you're doing. But to, you're so good at this. Why yeah. develop any other skills? Right, yeah, yeah. Check yourself for any of those kinds of things. Because I think one of the things that can happen is... Uh, our fears of losing people, losing good people, can make certain kinds of plans of action more attractive. And one of the things that it could make more attractive are reasons that might cut against skill development equity. Yeah. That one seems the most nefarious to me, that to accidentally on purpose keep someone down because you are too afraid to lose them. Yeah. If they're doing it explicitly, yes. Um, that That's a... You're, you're pretty awful if, if you do that, <laughs> like intentionally keep them down. But I guess what I'm thinking about is like even good, well-intentioned people might not realize the ways in which their reasoning is kind mm. of pushing in this direction. And so that's the thing. I, you know, even if you're a good manager, that's just the thing I think you ought to be guarded against. If you ever feel the fear of, oh, I don't want to lose this person, whatever your next decision is... Yeah. Just pay, pay, pay very close attention to your reasons uh, and, and make sure that your brain's not pushing you in a direction because your brain knows what you want to be true. Yeah, got to watch out for that motivated reasoning. Yeah. And the idea here is that when you manage a manager, they are going to be the ones doing some delegating. Mm-hmm. And you might want to consider being mindful of skill development equity and thinking about whether or not your managers are thinking about skill development equity and whether they are always delegating down or whether they are always delegating to the best or whether they are afraid to lose that star player and so they don't let them develop other skills and talents. So it's more of a meta. So it's not enough to do it yourself, but also encouraging it in your entire structure. Yeah. Or else it's because if it's just you who cares about it, it's not really going to be widespread enough to truly be like an, a really equitable workplace. Right. And I guess where it's a dilemma is um, if you if you have the Carmen idea that managers, they just, it's their job to decide who to delegate to, who the star players are going to be, right? Yeah. Whether they give opportunities or not. Uh, if you think that's really entirely their purview, you could be a manager of managers who has that kind of, I shouldn't meddle in their affairs, right? I... Yeah. It's always okay to delegate down. So if that's what they're doing, great. Yeah, it's always okay. Yeah, pick your star players. It's entirely up to you what skills you have your team develop and how you develop your team, right? Like that might be the aspect of a manager's job that you want to give them the most ownership of. Sure. But if skill development equity is important, I think managers of managers do have a reason to sort of pay attention to what the delegation strategies are of the people who work for them. And you wouldn't let your managers choose whatever salaries they want for people who work with them. So you wouldn't, maybe you wouldn't let them also have that sort of autonomy, that sort of self-direction for skill development equity. Yeah. Or at least until I knew that they had that as a, you know, guiding principle. Yeah. 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 So yeah. And sometimes you might have to step in and say, Hey, I know the project's going slower because so-and-so uh, hasn't ever done this before, but 
in the long run, it's better for you to just sort of let it come in at, you know, 80% as good as you think it would be. And, um, you're still doing the right thing. Yeah. You're still, yeah, you're, this is how you get things done through other people. And the way you get things done through other people is sometimes it doesn't always go the way you plan and it's, it's messier and it's harder. Um, that's what management is. Yeah. It's the messy business of, you know, getting things done through other people. And, you know, sometimes you just got to step back and let them do their thing. Don't step in. Um, sometimes you got to pick up some slack so you give them opportunities to develop. Sometimes you got to give it to your second string person, right? It's just, that's just, that's just how it goes. You might change your thinking about how you develop managers if you think skill development equity is important. Yeah. So... To wrap up, what are some practical upshots? I think the first is that if you're in Carmen's position and someone comes to you and says, it's not fair because they don't get to do this thing that's related to developing a skill, resist the temptation to have zero sympathy for them. Yeah. You know, because it's not beyond the pale uh, to think that sometimes the opportunity to develop skills ought to be a little bit more equitably distributed. And that Pat may have understood the opportunity to develop those skills as part of the agreement of her working there, yes, right? That exactly. she that she may have understood that there are other benefits other than salary, and that she may have a point. And if you think that you ought to sometimes take into account opportunity to develop skill, then you know some conventional wisdom about management is something that I think you ought to resist. Uh, maybe it's not always okay to delegate to the star performer. Maybe I should be careful with my star employees when I feel like I'm afraid to lose them. Maybe I'm unintentionally depriving them of some opportunities. And then if you're a manager of managers, helping them see that those things aren't always as black and white um, and helping guide and coach them through practices related to delegation that takes skill development equity into account. Thanks so much for joining us as we try to get ethics to work. I'm Andy Cullison. And I'm Kate Barry. If you have a question about business ethics you'd like answered on the podcast, email me at katherineberry at depa.edu and maybe we'll talk through your issue on the air. We hope you can take some of what we've discussed here today and get it to work. If you want to learn more about what we talked about on the show today, Check out our show notes page at prindleinstitute.org backslash getethicstowork. That's all one word, get ethics to work. Remember to subscribe to get new episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. But regardless of where you subscribe, please be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way for us to meet new listeners. Getting Ethics to Work is hosted by the Janet Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University. Our logo was created by Smallbox. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions and can be found online at www.sessions.blue. Our show is made possible with the generous support of DePaul alumni, friends of the Prindle Institute, and you, the listeners. Thank you for your support. The views expressed here are the opinions of the individual speakers alone. They do not represent the position of DePaul University or the Prindle Institute for Ethics.